Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the E2C Network, podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. Brought to you by the Auburn Uniform Database. Visit them at auburnuniforms.com. War Eagle Auburn fans, welcome to Inside the Jungle, your source for Auburn men's basketball analysis and discussion. My name is Kyle Loomis. I'm the editor of the E2C Network, here to talk about some more Auburn men's basketball. And to do that, I brought along my co-host, friend, and the owner-operator of the Auburn Uniform Database, Mr. Clint Richardson. Welcome back, buddy. We're going. We just keep getting to talk about so many wins this year. It's so nice. I like wins. I know. It's, we, gotten, we started this show not talking about too many wins. And now, finally, five years later, we get to sit back comfortably and talk about, you know, Auburn just steamrolling people finally. I like wins. I like trains. I like turtles. I like beating the peacocks. <laughs> I, I like 100-point games so much that scoring 99 has, has just just driven me bonkers today. Well, I was going to cue you for that, but you've already brought it up. That's how mad I know you are about this. So if there's someone to blame out there, I think it's Cole Blackstock. Or it might be me. Because... <laughs> just for being mad about 99 points? <clears throat> no, because I, I mean, if you believe in such a thing, I very easily could have jinxed this because, you know, I... I saw the writing on the wall, the trend of the game. Auburn was very well on track to hit 100 points. And I dove into the Auburn basketball media guide, found some really interesting um, tidbits and some history that Auburn was going to make and typed up a tweet with about four minutes left on the clock. And I thought there's no way that that the scrubs even – keep Auburn from scoring 10 more points. And I scored nine. How dare you, Clint? How dare you? <sighs> I mean, you that would have been... This. That tonight would have been the first time ever that Auburn scored 100 points in the same month three times. Well, I take back what I said about you, Cole Blackstock, and I now blame Clint Richardson. Um, it's disappointing <laughs> to hear... You know better than I do that that mojo stuff exists, and you ruined it for us. How does it feel? Soiled it. <laughs> Nonetheless, we do have a lot of happy things to talk about, despite us missing out on the 100-point mark there. Auburn does defeat the St. Peter's Peacocks. That is a tongue twister if I've ever said one before. 49-99, to just a point shy of the century mark for the Auburn Tigers. Um, it would have been nice to get there, but we will not complain with a 50-point win. If there was ever a tune-up game, Clint, I think this was one. I think so. This was a really good buffer game. You know, the <clears throat> coming off of a really big tournament and a cross-country flight, you know, this this is what you need to get your legs back under you and to just get back into the routine of Auburn and not Hawaii and you know, there's there's a lot left to play for in this non-conference schedule, and 
you know, Auburn just looked kind of slow. You know, I, Coach Champy and uh, Brad Law on the TV broadcast were talking about how sharp Auburn looked and how they weren't missing a beat. But it just, I don't know if it was the atmosphere in the stadium or that St. Peter's just isn't really that good or what. But it just, at points, this game got really boring. And it just, it felt kind of dead in the Auburn arena. I had an epiphany during this game, Clint. Now, pull the curtain back a little bit. I wasn't able to watch the game because I haven't forked over the cash for one of these streaming services yet. Uh, But I was listening to uh, Rod Bramblett and Coach Sonny Smith, which, again, is always entertaining when you listen to Coach There's The only thing more entertaining or at least perplexing to listen to is, uh, what what was his name? Gosh, in Hawaii. I've already forgotten his name. Help me, Clint. Uh, Bill Walton. Bill Walton. There's Sonny Smith, Andy Kennedy, and then there's Bill Walton. That would be my top three people to listen to break down a game. All have their different, you know, I've learned that Andy Kennedy is just a genius when it comes to talking about the game on TV. Bill Walton is just nuts. And then Sonny Smith just all of a sudden just starts talking about how much he hates TV Teddy, the referees, and it's the best thing ever. (laughs) As soon as he started that tonight, like even Rod Bramblett tonight, felt uncomfortable when he's like, wow, I should not have teed that up for him to knock it out of the park. <laughs> it's, I, I'm really shocked that you would put Sonny Smith, Andy Kennedy, and drunk Bill Walton after dark on the same level It's whatsoever. It's, like, even just two of those three, I, I can't see you putting them on the same level. Well, here's the, th- here's the way I look at it, Clint. I see you've got a two out of three of those who know what they're talking about and at least can put coherent sentences together in Sonny Smith and Andy Kennedy. And then Sonny's just kind of got the the old man vibe of that. I don't really care anymore. I'm just going to say what I want to say, which is great radio, honestly. And then you've got Bill Walton who can't put two words together properly or at least pronounce someone's name. That just adds the comedic. I hate to say it this way, but it's almost like the perfect Three Stooges kind of thing going together, even though they're not <laughs> Stooges. It just it feels like that could be some kind of thing to be. I don't know why we've gotten off on this topic, but it's just uh, the fact that that's what this type of game was, that we have to analyze who would be the best announcers for basketball for us. Oh, my gosh. Just give me Jay Billis. Here, I'll just I'll reel it back in. Let's actually talk about St. Peter's and the Peacocks here. Uh, Peacock. Peacocks, yes. So how about this, Clint? You already kind of alluded to it, your impressions of this game, but the question I'm always going to ask you after every game is, was this a complete game? No. I knew your answer right when I asked it. (laughs) I mean, at the beginning of the game, it sure felt like it could be. Auburn, you know, was at one point was shooting 60% from the field. Almost to halftime, Auburn was shooting 60%. And... You know, God knows, and I know, and you know that those free throw numbers are not good enough. Don't start. And man. don't start. <laughs> so you know, it's always perfect when the scrubs get in and get some good quality minutes and and only score nine points. So you did see a lot of significant time for the walk-ons in this one. Um, here's a question for you, and I know we're kind of jumping topics around here normal from our normal flow, but you know, we miss Patrick Kime a lot. Because of the his raw raw factor, uh, his ability to come in and fill in, and there not be too much of a drop off in terms of uh, we'll call it talent or dependability. Um, do you get the impression that Parker can kind of fill that role that a Patrick Kime kind of left when he departed last year? 
I mean, I guess so. It's it's hard to to judge that because I don't see what these guys do in practice very often. I I knew what Pat did and and knowing him a little bit and knowing people that knew him better than I did and um, you know I I don't see Parker ever having to be thrown into the game outside of garbage time like Pat did you know out of necessity the sovereign team is well beyond that point and I don't know if anybody could ever replace what Pat Kine meant to this program no I tip I really do agree with that that Kime is something that you really truly can't replace but just in turn I kind of see Will um, especially as highly as Sonny Smith was speaking of him on the radio call tonight and what I've seen, he's the first one to always come in for the walk-ons. I do get the impression that if push came to shove, Parker is the guy that you would see in those type of scenarios, which more than likely won't happen, like you said, uh, might be brought in. But that's just a wealth of riches here at Auburn, that the depth is so strong, the talent is so good, that we don't have to be desperate like that anymore. But it is comforting to know that Coach Pearl at least trust one of the walk-ons to maybe come in a little bit earlier uh, than the others. At least we'll find out as the rest of the season goes on if that remains to be the same. Let's look at some stats here, Clinton. There are plenty to look at. Pretty much, I'm trying to look here very quickly. It looks like only three people did not score for Auburn that saw minutes tonight, and that is pretty much the entire team. So the only one, it's it's easier to tell you who didn't score than who did score. So Collier, Will Collier. Uh, Williams and Will Parker did not score, but everyone else got some points tonight. And boy, were there a lot of them. 99 points. You know it's going to be spread around really well. Uh, your top scorer tonight, or top scorers, were Bryce Brown and Anthony McLemore with 19 points apiece. I just want to say this, Clint. Welcome back, Anthony McLemore. <laughs> welcome back, 24. Struggled in Hawaii, you know, points-wise. Um, but it was really nice to see Anthony perform well, you know, three for five from three point land and eight for 13 overall. Um, I mean, that's, that's a lot of fun. It's, you know, some of the most fun moments last year, we're seeing a big guy like Anthony be able to shoot from outside the arc and then the next possession, be able to block a shot underneath the goal and finish with a, a crazy alley-oop dunk. So he, he's got a lot of different tools, and he uses it very well. I'll say this about Anthony, is that since he's been back this year, you've seen flashes of him in certain areas, but not completely of what we've been used to seeing of Anthony from the previous season before his injury. Tonight was the first time I got the impression that he had kind of put it all back together the blocking, the defense, the high-flying athleticism, rebounding, dunking, and the ability to go out there and make a three-point shot. Uh, that is just the most deadly thing that you can have. A guy of his size who's not the biggest one in the world, but he's big enough to get down there and bang with everybody. I <coughs> love when a bigger guy can step out behind that three-point arc and just knock down a three. It's such a valuable tool to have. Well, and I don't know if you noticed this but he still seems to be a little cautious with his ankle yeah and um you know he got kind of twisted up at one point and just stood there and stretched it and um just seems to be very cautious and and you know i don't think he's a hundred percent ready to rely on it like he had previously and if he ever gets back to that level will be you know a miracle in and of itself but you know this is a 
90, 95%, 90% Anthony Macklemore, and he's being able to play at that level. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's he's he's such a good player and very well talented. And did you know that he got uh, an Ivy League offer to go school there, Clint? If you haven't oh, forgotten yeah. that by now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I love having Anthony as part of this team just for so many reasons, and he again tonight showed why he is such a valuable member of this team. But there are plenty of other players that had great games tonight. If you had to pick someone else that stuck out to you tonight, Clint, who would that be? Uh, definitely Chumo Kiki. Um, I mean, you just look across the stat line, 12 points, Perfect five for five from the field, two for two beyond the arc, uh, six rebounds, three assists, only one turnover, not a single personal foul. Chuma has really found a role and might be the, the quiet leader on this team. He doesn't really force his hand. He's He's got really good control over his body and and the game. And I think he's going to be a really tough player to to defend. I mean, this this kid doesn't need to go out and score 35 points to put Auburn in a good position. If he can continue at that 12, 15-point range, he's doing his job. And anything above that is just icing on the cake. Well, let me just say this, too, here about Okiki, is that I didn't even think of him as an option for you answering that question because he has been so consistent this year, like you said, with his points that he's getting – with his defense, um, just how versatile he is. We're just become accustomed to him being an integral part of this team that big games anymore for him are few and far between because we're so used to him having big games. So I, I didn't even really consider him an option for you. I was kind of looking for like a Malik Dunbar who had 14 points and shot extremely well from beyond the arc, four for six uh, from behind the the three uh, free point arc there. It's just a great asset to have him as well. He's a big guard. And I, do you even really consider Malik at this point a guard, Clint? I consider him a shooter and, and you know, just an all-around, well-rounded basketball player. Yeah, I, I really like him uh, and the um, energy that he brings uh, to the court. Uh, <laughs> it's somebody that he really, we really need. I'm glad you mentioned his energy, and, and it's a shame that you didn't get to watch this because coming out of a, a timeout and commercial break, they they had the camera on you know the team huddle breaking, and Malik takes a couple of steps towards midcourt, and the cheerleaders and the Tiger Paws are still out there dancing. So, he, so Malik starts doing the cheers with them, and it was hilarious and and i hope somebody captured that footage and it and it gets shown on social media real soon yeah if you're paying attention to auburn social media they're doing a good job of utilizing some of the material that malik gives them there was one thing they did earlier this week where it was like the faces of malik dunbar before a game and it was pretty intense it was he he is a character but beyond that he is a great contributor especially this year he was he was good last year but it looks like he's starting to step up um, what we can rely on him to provide to this team this year, which is, again, a just disgustingly amount of riches for Auburn in terms of depth here and who they can kind of look to to provide some offense if somebody else is not having a good game, and defense as well. Just kind of looking through some of the team stats here as well. Uh, 43% from the field for Auburn, uh, 43% from behind the three-point line. Um, and then we get down to this thing, Clint. 
60% from the free throw line, 12 for 20. I'm trying to be Mr. Happy and optimistic about this game, but I'm going to continue to harp about this. What is wrong with our guys in free throws this year? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. It's it, you know, for me, it's hard to harp on it when it just doesn't really matter. You know, it matters, eight, Clint. <laughs> it matters to you. Those eight missed free throws aren't really going to change anything in this game. One more made free throw would have given me that 100-point tweet that I'm really upset about, so I'll give you that one. But <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know what's going on, or you know, maybe it's just the talent we've played. Um, you know, you kind of play down to your talent at times, and um, you know, outside of the Maui tournament, it's not really been the best schedule so far. And you know, maybe it's just early. I don't. I don't really know. Uh, the one thing that worries about uh, me for this is when we do get to some of these more challenging games, especially in SEC play, is those are the type of things that you cannot be allowing a 60% uh, from the free throw line. I mean, that's exactly in the words right there. Free. You need to make 80% of those. And uh, me and Coach Sonny Smith tonight were on the same wavelength. He was not happy with Bryce Brown's performance at the free throw line. Granted, he only had two for four, but from what we're used to with Bryce Brown, him making pretty much 100% from that and maybe missing one out of every 10. Uh, so something's a little off with him too. in his free throw shot, I don't know what it is. It could just be complacency, talent, playing down to your, or playing down to your, uh, your opponents here. I don't know, but it's got to get better. Other than that, well, coach, coach Pearl isn't happy with his, with this team's free throw percentage either. Just after the game, he was quoted complaining about it and said, just what you said, it'll cost us in close games. We've got to get better. And every man has to take responsibility. Yeah. And other than that, there's not too much to complain about here. I'm just kind of briefly looking through some more of the team stats here. They won the rebound battle 47 to 38. Um, they had 11 second chance points, 41 bench points. There was a day, Clint, where we were lucky to get 10 points from the bench. How nice it is to have 41. <laughs> this team is so deep and it's, just going to pay dividends to this team. And then look at this number here. This makes me so happy too. I love free throws. I love defense, but I love it when athletes, especially talented athletes are unselfish and share the ball 25 assists. Now that's not the biggest number that we've seen this year, but they are sharing the ball well, and it's resulting in some really good looks either for three pointers or for getting someone on a breakaway to the basket for some of these Tomahawk dunks that we've been seeing from Malik Dunbar from Horace Spencer, from Austin Wiley. Uh, shoot, I think, he, I mean, if you want to talk about a Tomahawk dunk, we still can't beat Jared Harper in the Maui Invitational. <laughs> I don't think anybody else is going to be able to beat that this year, to be honest. No, and we didn't even talk about that last week, which is a shame on us. But, I, you know, I, I really like that 25 assist, and I really love the 47 rebounds on the night. But I think what even shows, what shows the unselfishness even more is that there's not a player on this team that was even close to having a double-double. Uh, well, Austin Wiley had 16 points and 9 rebounds, but beyond that, Chuma and Samir Dowdy had 6 rebounds. Um, Anthony had 5 to go along with his 19 points. Uh, Jared Harper had 8 assists, but only 6 points. So, you know, we, it might be hard to even get Auburn players to have many double doubles this season just you know the numbers are high but they're incredibly spread out and and i think that that's a really good thing and you, know, you can just 
replace any of these guys with somebody on the bench and keep that same kind of um, work going and being able to produce these kind of numbers. One of the big questions you and I had after the end of last year was, you know, the changes of Mustafa here and moving on Patrick Kime graduating, uh, losing a couple other players to Sean Murray. Would the chemistry be the same or better going in? And I think we did have some legitimate questions about that with trying to fit in Austin Wiley back into the mix, Daniel Purifoy eventually back into the mix. And so far I have no complaints in terms of the chemistry. Are they perfect? No, but like you said, you look at these stats and the assists, uh, just the bench points. It, this is a team that understands that they, that, like we called it last year, uh, I'm going to butcher your phrase at you, the sum of the parts are greater than the parts themselves. Yes. Yeah. And I, I definitely think that this team believes that. And, you know, most of these guys have played together for a while now. You know, Samir Dowdy's playing his first season on the court. But he sat. He was here all last year, and they practiced with him. And even during um, Austin Wiley's suspension, you know, he he played a couple of months before then. And I don't. I think he got to practice with the team as well did Dangel. And you know, I don't think you're really worried about chemistry. I think the biggest question right now is when Dangel does come back, where do his minutes come from? And I know uh, Malik Dunbar was interviewed this previous week and quoted saying that um, in regards to that very question that that this team and these players do not care about the minutes personally, but I think when it comes to production on the court, it is important. And I'm having a hard time figuring out where D'Angelo is going to get those minutes. I mean, um, Samir Dowdy, didn't play very well whatsoever and had 26 minutes. Jared Harper played pretty well and had 26 minutes. Um, you know, I, I, I'm struggling to figure out where he's getting those minutes. But again, a good question to have and a good problem to try to figure out for Coach Pearl and his staff. Um, and you know that the players are going to say the right things, like Malik did, that they don't care. But they're athletes; they want to play. And you wonder when does that become an issue? If it does, I hope it doesn't. And I believe these guys, if they're bought into the team, their play seems to reflect that. We'll find out in a couple of games when Daniel gets there and we start seeing some things shuffled around. Granted, Daniel's got to earn the time before he's even given it. But I, based on what I've seen from Daniel, I think he has the potential to earn a lot of it back. And we'll see going into these next games. Uh, speaking of which, let's go ahead and move on to the next game against the UNC Asheville Bulldogs. Now that, my friends, is a little bit of a blast from the past because if you know your Auburn history, this is the very first team that Auburn faced in the Auburn arena. Now we can go even further back than that and talk about why that's significant, meaning that Jeff Lebo was supposed to be there playing his uh, former... Was it, was it his alma mater, Clint, or his former team? As a player, Lebo went to school at North Carolina. And I think he actually played or just missed the Michael Jordan years. Um, and that was the whole goal was to open the arena, Auburn and Jeff Lebo against his alma mater in UNC. And he got fired the, the season before and, and UNC was not available for that game. And we got stuck with one of the subsidiary teams of the, 
University of North Carolina system. <laughs> I love how you pre- like describe them as such. <laughs> and it didn't go very well. Um, Coach Tony Barbie. Oh, Clint, how bad did that hurt you to say that? It did. And the, uh, the christening of the Barbie's dream house was spoiled by the Bulldogs winning 70 to 69 in overtime. So welcome coach. And what a great way to start our brand new $96 million building. So we bring up that not so fond memory to remind you of how far this program has come, not just in the five years that Bruce Pearl has been here, but since the beginning of the Auburn Arena and even beyond that point. Use this as to remind you and be thankful. I don't think we have too many Auburn fans for basketball right now unhappy with the state of this program. But if you are, you need to take a look at back at the beginning of this when losing to UNC Asheville. And let's just be honest here. If we lose to this UNC Asheville team, we've got a lot of problems because they do not look to be formidable at all. And I hate saying that, Clint. I hate taking anybody for granted. But again, this looks to be another tune-up game. Yeah, and you know, I, I hope that they're a little bit better than uh, St. Peter's. Just you know, St. Peter's just kind of handed Auburn a thirty to five lead in the first half. Um, I hope UNC Asheville pushes a little bit harder. Um, just Auburn needs Auburn doesn't really need another walk through victory like they had tonight. Um, it doesn't have to be the easiest game in the world. It doesn't, or doesn't have to be the hardest game in the world, but I'd rather not be quite as easy. Um, just Dayton and UAB and North Carolina state and Murray state and even North Florida to end the calendar year and um, non-conference schedule. Those aren't easy games, and just just push them a little harder. Don't hurt anybody. Don't bruise anybody too Please. hard, but <laughs> Please. you know, push them a little bit harder. No, I, I do hope that they will, and they come from a conference that's known to produce some decent programs at times, so you would hope that they maintain that caliber from the Big South there. We're familiar with names like Winthrop, Charleston Southern, Presbyterian, uh, you know, they've produced some good teams. So there is hope there that we'll get somewhat of a competition from them. Uh, they are one in five on the year. Uh, so, but you kind of look at who they played. NC State, who will be playing soon, um, they lost 100 to 49. Um, so I don't know how to really make that out. They've lost to Coastal Carolina. Um, so it's really hard to get a read on how good or bad this team is, but we're about to find out because we'll take them on uh, in this next game, which would be um, 8 o'clock p.m. Uh, Eastern Time on the SEC Network, Tuesday, the 4th of December. Now, they will have one game before us with UT Martin, which we won't be able to talk about, obviously, because it's in the future. Um, but yeah, if you want to find some uh, players to keep an eye on, one would be their top scorer, Devin Baker, 14.8 points per game. Um, but um, I'm really struggling, Clint, to find things to be afraid of in this team, and I hate saying that, but Auburn is looking really good right now. And some of these other teams that we're used to be- beating uh, just don't seem to kind of stack up well to us. The main thing for me, though, is that we don't take a step back and actually get you a complete game that you can say, yes, definitively, this was a complete game. Uh, I don't think your odds are very high on that happening, but I, I would agree. I would love to say that. Well, that's my goal is to eventually, if I can get five, yes, this was a complete game from you this season, Clint, I will consider it a victory for myself, a personal victory. Oh, that's, that's high. It is very you're high. Gonna, 
Yeah, you, you should just be hoping for one. <laughs> I think I got one already, didn't I? No. Uh, well, I thought I had one, but I guess I was wrong. So here we go. We'll start it for this game. Complete game coming up against UNC Asheville. Before we get out of here, guys, let's uh, give our contact information. You can find me on Twitter at TigerEye24. Where can they find you? You can follow me on Twitter at AU24. And you can check out my website, the Auburn Uniform Database, at auburnuniforms.com. And that's all we have for you on this edition of Inside the Jungle. But until next time, War Eagle. War Eagle. Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Head over to e2cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing, that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you?